Empire. Hello and welcome to another live stream edition of the John Conn Report. Do me a favor, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. You join us now, you're watching on YouTube later, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media and IRE. Always much appreciated when you tune in. You folks have been very patient over the years, so I think you may start to get rewarded a lot more over the next four or five. Also, you can read my work on ESPN.com and you can catch uh, my my friend here, Bram Weinstein, the voice of commanders on ESPN 630. So today it's all about Adam Peters once again. Bram, first impressions of Adam Peters today at the press conference. What did you see? What did you hear? What stood out to you? I don't think he said very much. I didn't really expect him to, honestly, um, you know, because they haven't hired a head coach. He hasn't filled out his staff. He hasn't been here long enough to give a true impression of the roster, which we could go through and talk about a little bit. He's not going to tell you what they're going to do with the number two overall pick. So I think he played it right down the middle. Um, what I did like, but there are some things that stood out that I liked hearing. One, that he openly says they're going to build through the draft. Amen. You know, thankfully someone is saying that. Aligned vision beyond amen. I mean, we can go into that conversation for oh, yeah. what's been missing around here for a long time is getting people in the building, rowing the boat the same way. Um, collaboration. It's nice to hear that. The fact that he wants this job, that he's grateful for this job, that he believes that, you know, this is a pillar organization of the NFL. It's a 90 plus year old franchise with multiple championships over multiple eras. You know, I think it's that too. So not unlike what Josh Harris has said, done, the other ownership group has said, done. He hit the high notes for me, you know, today, albeit without much that you can hang your hat on and say, well, this is what he's going to do. You know, it's funny because um, aligned is the new culture. That's the new buzzword for this group. Culture was the last year, aligned is this one. I know that they feel culture is very, very important, but I think that aligned is a buzzword we're going to hear quite a bit. Collaboration is another one. Good. And in that in that presser, as Nikki Javal pointed out to me later, they used the word aligned. I think it was seven times throughout this because of how, because the importance of it, and they know that it hasn't always been like that. And I think you have a guy Adam Peters who's coming from places that won Super Bowl titles or have been in Super Bowls because they are aligned. So I think it is very important. The other thing, Bram, is that it wasn't Mister Harris; it was Josh. So yeah. that was, and I think Craig Hoffman pointed that out on Twitter and he's right. Like other, you know, I think, I mean, they've all, it was always Mr. Snyder and it was always kind of a muffled Mr. Snyder because it was like, this is ridiculous that I'm saying this, but this is how we have to do it. Um, they seem very comfortable with one another, a good start, but you know, it's funny, Bram, because we've been in a lot of first press conferences for coaches, right? It's different with coaches. You get a feel for them as, as, leaders and all that for a GM, his job is to, again, get is to organize. That's part of what he does and it's to evaluate talent. So it's not going to shine through all those qualities that are going to make a good organization. aren't going to shine through necessarily, but you get a feel for like the way a guy's personality is and all that. And so it was, it was good. You're right. Didn't say anything. Wasn't expecting it. Um, you know, so it was about, it went about how I thought it would. Which yeah. is quite, I mean, you know, the, he said a few things that I really liked hearing. Um, he did say a couple of things that were from the team perspective 
that I don't know what else he should say, but to say it's not a total teardown, there are cornerstones here. Um, you know, I think that's worth investigating a little bit, you know, and it might just be the right things to say. That's like, that's, that's worth investigating here. That said, um, in the NFL these days, um, I look at Houston and I go, I'm hoping we can be that, you know, like that we can hit on the number two overall pick. It's probably a quarterback and that all of the sudden we're more than competitive overnight and no one's promising Super Bowls, but we're more than competitive, but largely like just hearing the alignment thing, I know like it's a buzzword and they were saying that it's, it's been to me, the thing that's been really missing here for a very long time, right. like that through pick the administration, it doesn't matter which one you could go through any of them and find this same singular flaw throughout all of it, that you did not have people on the same page. You did not know exactly in some cases what roles people had, you know, in, in certain cases through the years, were there people under people at their own personal gain behest or just disagreement or to curry favor with the owner. Like that's never going to be a winning environment. Like everybody's got to be, it's okay to be, listen, this is football sports. We're going to have a lot of disagreements about this player, that player, this scheme, that scheme, whatever. But at the end of the day, if not everybody's on the same page, rowing the boat the same way, how in the world are you going to win? And in my, you know, as a fan forever, you know, I grew up with, and I, I couldn't speak to this as a child, you know, that like, Bobby Beathard and Joe Gibbs and Jack Ken Cook were all on the same page, but it certainly felt like it was the case. And maybe Charlie Casterly would be a good person to talk to about those days when it felt like they were aligned as an organization set up structurally to try to compete and win. And they did so. And we just haven't had a structure like this. And I know for a fact, professionally covering the team that I think through the years, what's held them back more than anything is this lack of alignment for, you know, lack of a better word. And it's gone through all of the different coaches and administrations, but it's been the same thing, maybe in different forms, but it's happened over and over and over. And in every case you go, if these guys aren't on the same page with one another, or they're having their own siloed meetings in this corner of the building, talking about each other and not on the same page, how in the world is this team ever going to get together and win? And so it was, it was refreshing to hear it. It's refreshing that it's a priority of the new ownership group. And it's refreshing to hear the GM who's going to be the chief decision maker walk in and say, I don't really have much to tell you right now because I need to be in alignment with a head coach. We haven't hired yet. I mean, all of that rings like is something that's very positive. Right. And I think, and I, and in the last podcast I had leading into the press conference, a lot of that was about, I knew that he wouldn't, he wasn't going to say much about like, for example, quarterback, because you don't want to say, or what your on-field philosophy is because you don't want to say what it is because what if you have a coach who maybe sees something a little bit different and now have you kind of boxed them into a certain place because you already revealed something. So, you know, I think it's that, that shared vision is a good thing. Um, but I am curious, Bram, cause I haven't, I mean, I've let my feelings known on the Peterson hire. I had Nick Wagner on here who covered him out in San Francisco about what he thought about the hire or about Peters, but I haven't asked you what you thought about it. Cause so we started, I wanted to ask you that first kind of getting back to it now, but what did you, what did you think of the hire when you heard? Uh, it's a home run. Like, you know, and, and then who knows what's going to happen on the field and, and with the team because, you know, he hasn't been in this position before, but, you know, his reputation precedes himself. Um, you know, I have to go by what many people who are in and around San Francisco say about him. Um, he's been with three winning organizations at three different time periods with two of them winning championships and another that might win one this year, frankly, the way things are going. 
um, and have been in the NFC, the most consistently high-level competitive team over the last four or five years. And that's something I want to talk to him about really more than anything, because in this league these days, go watch the Eagles, you know, having sustained success is very hard to do here. Like just getting good enough to compete for, you know, the playoffs and the championship. That's extremely difficult. A lot of things have to go your way. You have to be right about a lot of things, but then backing it up year after year after year in this league, in a cap league where quarterbacks suddenly are paid $60 million of your cap space and you're consistently turning over rosters. Like it's very hard to consistently maintain that level of play. And the fact that they're doing that says something about what their organization means, what it's been, and, and I guess what his role is. So for me, this is a home run. Um, I thought he was a slam dunk as their choice for a while now. He clearly had been eyed for a while now. Um, once it became clear that there was, was going to be a total change, because I think Ron Rivera was auditioning to be the head coach, not to run the personnel any longer. Right. But once it became clear that a wholesale change was going to happen, and he, it was one thing Peter said today that like, like he at least admitted this, you know, not only did I want to be here, but I wanted to be somewhere where we're going to start new with a coach. Like you heard that part. Like, so he wants to be aligned with his guy going in. And once it became clear, they were circling him. Um, this process started way before this last week. Um, and the next step is the head coach. And I think you and I both know who the two or three names are that would be not the dunk, but more like the layup, mainly because the two or three people that they're probably eyeing most do have interest around the league from other teams. And we have to wait for that process to play out to make sure that we can land them as well. Yeah. And obviously one of those is Ben Johnson. <clears throat> and I know, like, I know there's a hot, you know, they have an interest in him and he clearly has an interest in this job. And I would think it's, I don't know where it's at on his list. I think it's pretty high up, but that doesn't mean it happens. So I think you have to let the process play out. The other thing, Bram too, that, jumps out to me with with Josh Harris and Adam Peters, I think they understand what their role is in the organization. I don't think the previous regime or the previous owner understood any of that ever. But you have an owner who understands, hey, I don't know X, Y, and Z about football. I got to hire this person who can go get these people who know this. And I think with, um, with, with Peters, he knows he's not coaching the team, but he knows I have to hire this guy that I have to provide you with talent. But I think it's when you have your team, if you know your role within a team, team usually works a lot better. And I think that's also something here because in the past, you know, you talk about the alignment and there will be times in the last few years where I talked to agents they are like, I don't know who to talk to there. Cause I don't know, like, you know, Ron had, was a coach centric, but he really at times couldn't, didn't have the time to deal with things. So was it Mayhew? Was it Herney? Who was it? So I think that was always a problem as well. We're not going to have that anymore. Um, so, you know, um, anyway, and Nathan Roberts here asks, speculation this deal was done weeks ago. Um, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't done then. Um, what I do I know, done, is that, but like the idea that this process didn't start earlier, I think, right. would be, you know, would be foolish to, to try to pretend that like Josh Harris held a press conference three days later, Adam Peters, highly sought after executive turns down interviews with other teams and accepts this position that that just happened in a vacuum. It didn't, you know, the, the part that the, where I believe the process is a little more open is for coach. I do believe that there are high level candidates that Adam Peters probably wants that the ownership group would agree to hire. Um, but this is different than Adam Peters. They one had to let the season play out to give Ron Rivera a fair shake to remain the head coach that clearly ended up not being the case. And then now 
um, you know, there is going to be competition for these particular head coaching candidates. And the one that concerns me most, you know, honestly, I'd like to know what Caroline is going to do because that owner has spared literal no expense. And, you know, is this ownership group going to be tested from a salary perspective for a first time head coach? And that's where I do wonder what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but they'll go through the process and, you know, we'll see where they land. And, you know, but I do have a feeling like this is, while it's not a like two person deal, I think there was an idea of the, the team that was going to come in here. And I'm still under the belief that that's going to happen. And that's why I think, I think Ben Johnson's going to be the next head coach, but that's just my gut guess for the whole thing. Right. And what I, what I know is this was the guy that they wanted. This was the guy that they viewed as a, uh, a head and shoulders or a clear, clear prime, the primary candidate with the coaching end. I have, that's not what I'm hearing is that there's just one guy they have to go get. I think they felt like Peter's head and shoulders, everything aligned. There's that word again, drink, um, everything aligned for that to happen because you had Myers who already had it. He knows him from out there, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it, it was, there was a definite, um, it made that whole process easier. The coaching situation, I think you need to go through the process. Then it's also like, what, what does Peters think of all these guys? And then, you know, he's going to have his own relationships, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but yeah, no, um, Bram, I, I want to ask you, some John, of these I really do. I really do believe that this year there is an unusual amount of very good candidates, like more so than in most years, like here's a year where you could hire the guy who's going to be the all-time winningest coach of all time, which this team isn't going to do, but he's available. You could go after Jim Harbaugh who just won the national championship and has won literally everywhere. He's been. And again, I don't think this team's going to do that, but he's available at the same time. Mike Vrabel's had a tremendous amount of success is available and then there are all of these other candidates like this is this is a crop of either second go-around coaches raheem morris dan quinn first go-around coaches mike mcdonald ben johnson bobby slowick come to mind and potentially others this is a deep crop of very good candidates and therefore why i think it would be prudent for them to go through this process and talk to them because i don't think that there's one good choice here i think there's more than one I still think Ben Johnson's probably the target, but that's just my speculation. But that doesn't mean you don't talk to Mike McDonald. You don't talk to Bobby Slowick. You don't certainly don't talk, you know, you don't talk to Raheem Morris after the way they adjusted against the lions the other night with that personnel grouping. I want to talk to him, frankly. I, I, I think Raheem has been um, overlooked for a few years. So I, I hear, I know people who work from who just rave about him he was extremely young when he got the Bucks job. If people think that's who he is now, I think it's it'd be unfair because I, you know, we don't know. Um, but he's reinvented himself as a coach. He coached on the offense side of the ball as well to kind of learn and grow. So I, I admire people who do that. So I think he certainly warrants a strong consideration for it. But I, you know, it's funny, Bram, because with Ben Johnson and Bobby Sloak, those are the only two offensive names on their list. And there are some good. There are some candidates that like Lou Anarumo from Cincinnati is a guy that is, you don't hear a lot of mention about him and he's a guy that people will talk about. So I think there's a, I don't think there's um, you know, the offensive side of the ball is a little bit thin for coaching candidates. The defensive side though, has some really good ones. And I, I'm curious what, like, you know, somebody, you know, we have people um, who want to know about Mike McDonald, you know, yeah. would, was, is that a guy? And I don't know how much you even know about him at this point, other than, He's a really good coach. He's very adaptable, et cetera. But 
how open-minded are you to getting a defensive guy? And here, I'm last thing, Bram, before I let you go, on, I go off on this, but the one word that they kept talking about with coaching situation is not offense or defense, it's a leader. And that's something you hear publicly and privately. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also open to it too. My, you know, just my gut says with the number two overall pick and the firm expectation that a quarterback will be selected. And I know they didn't say that today. I'm just, come on. I mean, like you're very rarely in this position. I don't know how that's not the choice, you know, unless you're overwhelmed by some deal and you don't love the choices, let's say, if Kayla Williams is indeed off the table. Um, I, I just feel like, you're walking in the door with a young quarterback. Isn't it more likely to go with an offensive coach to start that process? And that's just how I feel most likely. But at the same time, I don't have an issue with them interviewing guys who are defensive head coaches. And I agree with the sentiment, just get the best person in here. In the same way, when we do talk about the quarterbacks that are available, because there are three really viable ones at the top of this draft, and they've got the second overall pick. I don't think you. I would ever go into this going, we would take any of them. I would go, who's the guy we want? And I would try to acquire that person, even if it means calling Chicago. Like I, That's how I feel about it. So I think they should go into it eyes wide open and get their right person, no matter what their specialty is. But I do feel like there is, to me, it feels like all along, Peters comes in, Johnson follows next. And that's how I feel like it's going to play out. But you know, again, I do believe there's a lot of very good candidates, an unusual amount of good candidates this year, and we'll have to see how the process plays out. And by, by the way, because you brought up Carolina earlier, there's no way in hell if I'm a coach, I'm going down with that crazy owner. So that, but you never know if they throw enough money at you. But I just like I don't trust that. Not. I mean, that's the the point is like, you know, we had an owner who did that. You know, who like would just right. overwhelm with money and it's hard to turn it down so i don't know that he's going to do that but that's been his mo and considering everybody's talking about like what a difficult situation it is there well how do you counter that but they didn't <laughs> know what are your demands and so then we get put to the test do you want to meet those type of demands and then it'll come down to the candidate going do i want this job or do i want the other one where i feel like there's a better future for me but i have to take less money and that's that's all of us have ever had that decision in our lives. You know, God bless you if you've had that decision in your life to choose large amounts of money versus a job you might like a little bit better in the same field. Yeah, but it's also about longevity too. And I think when you have an owner who's been proven to be patient, plus you have a guy come from San Francisco who's been in those good organizations, that I think that makes a big difference. And, and you know, yes, you're always going to get somebody these guys got people, they didn't get the best candidates every year. So yeah, right. eventually it adds, it, it, it costs you in other ways. So I, but anyways, I think there's other good jobs and somebody brought up uh, something about like, what if Philly and Dallas come open? What happens then? Yeah. Because those two jobs are attractive, but that's also where you get like a guy like a Vrabel, maybe being in one of those jobs versus a first time head coach, you know, maybe a Quinn, Dan Quinn gets one of those jobs because he's been through or somebody. So I don't know that they would, they go that route. But um, the other thing is too, and you brought up with Chicago, I would be, first of all, I do think the bears will probably draft Caleb Williams or draft the quarterback. Number one, just, just a guess. Um, I don't know if they're sold on Caleb. I don't know that you're going to budge them off that. And you can always call. 
The question I would have, Bram, and this is the one again for the rest of the offseason is, is the package of, you know, who are you, you're, would you rather have either Drake May or Jaden Daniels and the picks now and in the future right. or Caleb Williams minus all those possible guys? I mean, the, the, the best case scenario is the person you've decided that you want to be your guy is literally available at number two and you just take him and you do it happily and just move on. My point about Caleb is if that's the guy you've determined that you want to get, I think you have to do the due diligence of talking to Chicago to see if they are going to select them. And if they are, if they're willing to move off of it, I just, I don't, I have never come into a situation where I go, I'd like to have any of these people. Like I think, you know, the difference between some of these quarterbacks, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, Adam Peters will tell you, like they use the, th they traded up, made a crazy trade to move up for the third quarterback off the board. He's not even on their team any longer. So I do think you have to, you know, seriously think about who do we really want here? Not just we'll take a quarterback because we haven't had one for a long time and we need one. It makes sense at number two to take a quarterback. If they end up falling in love with Jaden Daniels and he just happens to be at number two, all's well that ends well, we get to do that. But if you've determined Caleb Williams is a special talent who has special skill sets, that can do things off schedule in the NFL, which is imperative to success these days, then how do you not turn over every stone to try to ensure that you acquire him? I think you do. It doesn't mean you will, but I think you have to think that way. I will not go into this process thinking, well, I'd take any of the three. That That's just not how well, I no. think about things. No, I, I agree. Cause you're going to, you're going to like one or two more than the others. You're, it's, it's of very course. rare that you say like, Oh, I love all three. Because there's going to be something. So if you determine that, you know, first of all, again, if Chicago wants him, they're not trading out of the pick. Um, but but if you determine that he's a guy and like Chicago's, well, we like Jaden Daniels more, we'll trade back, then okay. But I still, it's always the package. Of, like, you know, how much better do you think Caleb is than Drake May or Jaden Daniels plus all of that you're losing? So in the, um, this uh, Blade wants to know, what about Hall from one more year with the reasonably – competent offensive line and trade back for bonanza of picks. Well, somebody else wanted to know there there's, I'm going to answer that one. in this one too, Nick wants to know, is it possible being a great talent evaluator possible that he can tell the offensive scheme was a downfall for Sam downfall for Sam. How is it possible? A good OC could elevate them up. And so they're kind of together. Two, there's two things here, Bram one, as far as the talent evaluators, when I talk to GMs, a lot of times they'll say, you know, they, their job is to evaluate talent, not necessarily the schemes. They'll find the guys that fit the schemes, but they're not sitting there, you know, um, analyzing like the game film in that way for something like that. That's what a coach is going to do. But the other part of it is it's about at this point there, what it comes down to is who's a guy that can take you where you need to go, which is a Super Bowl. And if you think that one of these guys can do it, that's the guy you're going to take. They're Correct. not like, the fans are tied to Sam Howell. These guys don't, they are not even remotely close tied to Sam Howell because they didn't draft him. Not a single person, you know, the owner didn't draft him. The GM didn't draft him and the coach didn't draft him. They're not tied to him. So they don't have to have this fascination with developing him. If you see a guy in the draft that has that you feel has like, if Drake may has the higher ceiling, which anybody football wise would say that going into the draft, then that's who you're going to take. And it also starts that rookie pay clock over. Um, and while I do believe, I, I still think Sam Howell can be a 
court, a quarterback, starting quarterback in this league at some level, um, you know, it doesn't mean that like, oh, you just get him a good, it wasn't just about, and the scheme didn't help him. The O-line didn't help him. He didn't help himself enough either. So it wasn't as simple as that. But I do think, Bram, it comes down to who do you feel has the higher ceiling? And this is now your guy. So they want their guy. So, and again, that's not to say I don't think Sam can develop. I think if they are drafting 14, that's what you do. But they're drafting two. It's different. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I just, at this spot, it's very rare. Hopefully we're not there again for a very long time. I, I just, I feel like you have to take a quarterback and, and that's just, that's just how I feel about it. And I think that's the result they'll come to because they're extremely good qualified, um, prospects for it. So, you know, we'll see how the process plays out. And I didn't expect Adam Peters to, if he said anything about it today, I would have been surprised. There's one thing I actually want to talk to you about, which is, which is the whole idea of this isn't a teardown. Um, and that there are cornerstones here. Who do you think he was referring to when he said that? I don't think there's a lot. And I think you're looking at guys like Terry McLaurin, Payne. I don't know if John Allen is in that or not, because I think you have to determine with him, you know, based on age and contract, tradable contract at this point, and where do you feel you're at? Like, are you, when you're, ready to win, where will John Allen be at in your, in his, you know what I mean? In his career. So I think that's, but so I don't know, would he be considered a cornerstone? I don't know. I think, I think Sam Cosme, I would put in there. Um, but I don't know, Bram. I don't, I don't, I think some of those, like, I like some of those young safeties. I like Quan Martin, you know, um, but how many other guys can you really say? I think Brian Robinson can be that, you know, um, I, I don't know. And I don't know. You can put cam curl in there. Cause he's not, he's a free agent. They have to bring him back. So I think you have to have someone who's signed for next year to be considered that. Um, so I don't know, Bram, what do you think? I think Terry is um, yeah. for, so, for so many reasons. And just please don't at me with, he's not Devonte Adams. I know he's not. Okay. <laughs> like I know he's not Tyreek Hill. Like I, I get it, but he's a really, really good receiver. He's an incredible representative of the organization. And and everyone needs to understand this, like contractually where he is right now, it is not in their best interest to move on from him, even if they wanted to. And it is more in their best interest to work with him at least next year and beyond. And I hope that that happens. I'd like to see, he's somebody I'd like to see play the majority, if not all of his career here for who he is and what he represents. So I, I think he's one of them. I think pain is also partially because he's his ability and because of his contract, you're not getting out of it right now. You just got it. So they can't really move it. Allen is at the point um, where, and I think we've discussed this a little bit. He is at the point contractually, just from a business perspective of the NFL, that you have to have a conversation with him about, do you want to be here? And if you do, are we going to do this long-term with you? Um, because it is time now to decide, do we extend and lower the cap number for the near term or do we move on? And that's going to start with, we need to ask him, do you want to be here? Like he has a captain's, you know, designation on his chest. He is from this area. He's had, he's had the voice of ownership. They've asked him questions about making this facility better and making the life better for the team and all that stuff. So they valued his opinion in the past. Does he want to be here and be part of the solution? And if he doesn't, then I think we need to talk about a move before the draft. And if he does, 
frankly, I want him to go get his helmet and see at OTAs. And let's also do some business with your contract to secure you here long-term. Outside of that, I don't know that I'd name somebody else a cornerstone. Albeit, I thought Sam Cosby had a very good year. Albeit, I'd like to see Cam Curl return on a reasonable contract because I think he's a very good, smart player and he'd play well for any defense. I'd like to see him back. But outside of that, I don't see a lot of the cornerstones that you could name from the place that he Peters was just in in San Francisco. Correct. And I don't think, you know, like I said, and when we talk about Sam Howell, the conversation became different because they have the second pick. It's different if they're sitting there at 14 or 15. You're like, well, you don't really have a shot at one of these guys, so don't force it. Don't move up. Then you can go in a different direction. But, you know, I hate to tell people, like, Blade um, is, you know, this his comment here is how many games did they have the same five guys in the O-line? How many games did Howell have where he consistently had more than two seconds before he got hit? Sam Howell's average time before passing was 2.8 seconds. That's 18th fastest in the league. In other words, like there are a lot of guys that were getting rid of the ball a lot faster than him. Now, some of that you can maybe extend the play. Other quarterbacks do the same. The point is it wasn't like it was one, two hit. Um, And some of that is not on Howell. It's it can be on scheme. It can be on receivers, but it's not as simple as, Oh, just go get a tackle. Now Sam Howell is going to be exactly what they need. You can't say that. And the the hard part here, again, it's not just the number two pick. It's number two pick plus a new staff. So, you know, I think people have to get used to that. Like, this is the direction they're – we don't know where they're going to go because I don't know what they think of the quarterback's class. It's very early. We don't know who the coach is to know who they like at quarterback. So a lot of this stuff is – some of it is premature, but the logic points you in that direction for those reasons – and, it, you know, it's, I mean, again, if there was the same group come back, if they had won seven games and they're picking 14th, it's a different conversation. Here's this other one or, or Kev says, John Allen never said he didn't want to be here. He said he wants to win. Um, he did say, I a thousand percent have thought about going other places. I don't blame him for being honest with everybody. He did also say he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Does he think that's what this is? Because then he said he doesn't want to be here. And maybe I'm just playing a semantics game here, but we need to have a conversation with an important player on this team, a dynamic player who, as of the 2022 season, was playing um, the best at his position in the NFL. Can we get him back to that level? Does he want to do it here? And secondarily, I would like to say to him, you do want to win. So do we. Do you want to be part of the answer here? And he needs to answer that question. And at that point, if he says, I want to be here, great. <laughs> You're staying, in my opinion. Um, if he doesn't, then we have to you know, talk about what that looks like on the other side. And I got to tell you too, if it were to go down like that, if I told you two years ago, John, that of those four first round picks, the only one that would remain is Deron Payne, you would have thought I was crazy. Like absolutely crazy that he would be the one out of the four that is actually still here in a couple of years. Right. And I listen, I'm going to get to Zach's question here in a minute, but I know that John Allen would like to win here. It's important for him to win here. So when he said that, like, I still know, like in in his mind, part of it is you want to see progress where you're at. And and this year it got to the point where there was no more progress. The the direction of this, this, this group was not going the right way. And I agree with him. So that's what part of it was. But from the from a new team standpoint, like I had someone here who was like, if I were them, I would trade him. 
this was about a month ago or so because because of again where where are they at in their development if you think you can be pretty good next couple years within the next couple years then hold on to them because you want to build through the middle you got rid of those two ends specifically to build through the middle so from that standpoint um and that was that quote-unquote paradigm shift was that change of philosophy was not signing montez and chase but building through the middle with those two guys and then getting other parts and if you get rid of him you're just adding another piece that you need but I think it, it wouldn't shock me if it's explored only because of everything we just said. Right. And you know, where he's at in his career contract tradable, blah, blah, blah. If they would, if they say, listen, you can get a second round pick for him, let's do it. All right. But you know, I think I'm certainly, I think if you want to build through the middle, then you keep him here. Yeah. And, and last thing and on this too, I'm not big on trading away very talented players. He's one of them. He's um, very tough. We, we already did that with Montez sweat and you saw, we don't have anybody of his caliber. So edge rush is now a void. If you trade John Allen, yes, Duran is back, but like the guys behind him, no offense to them. They are not of his caliber. So it's just another position that's going to have to be filled at a premium price to do so. If you're not using draft pick capital for it. So I'm not advocating trading away really good players, but I do want them to be here. You know, I heard Mike Todd, I've cited this before. Mike Tomlin said one of my favorite sayings of all time from an NFL coach. He said, we don't have hostages here. We have volunteers. Well, that's what I want here too. I want you to volunteer to be part of the answer here. And I hope John, and I hope sincerely John wants to be like, but yeah. we just, we, after the season we had with him, I don't know if that's the case. And maybe now that things have calmed down and he, like the rest of us have had a week off and we're enjoying a snow day here, you know, maybe he feels differently now that the season's behind him and over with. I think when you get away from the emotion of a season, it's a lot. Yeah. I think there's like, understandably, you get a little bit frustrated when you lose all the time. Of and course. there was, there were a few people who were more pumped up at the initial Josh Harris pressure and FedEx than John Allen. So I get it. But again, my point, if you're looking at this roster and you're saying like, you know, if, if they, if they determine like it's going to be a couple of years before they can win. And when they're ready to win, where is, where is player X going to be at in his career? Is that going to be helping us? What? How do you see his the trajectory of his career? That's how you determine whether or not. And then it's like, well, what do you? What could you get from him? if it's a third round pick? I uh, I'm I'm fine, right? Yeah. No no thanks. So I think like I think there's a lot of factors, and it's not. I don't think it's as simple as do you want to be here. It's it's there's a whole thing to it that it's going to encompass to get to that point. But um, you know, it's always better to have good players. But do you think you're going to win this year or next year? If not, then then what's your decision there with some of these guys? The last one here, Zach wants to know, you've seen the video of Spielman talking about Caleb Williams. Yes. Um, is, there, is there a chance Peters was promised a shot to trade up? I don't think that you can do that. You can't, you can't promise because it takes Chicago to do that. And if Spielman thinks like that about him, Perhaps the, the um, Chicago Brain Trust does as well. And so then they would be reluctant to then make a trade with him. The other part is it's not going to be based on what Spielman says. Um, it'll be based on how, what uh, Peters, the new coach, what their agreement is, and then others in the organization. But I think it starts there, their evaluations of him compared to the other quarterbacks. Yeah. So no, I don't think there was any sort of promise. Um, I think the promise would have to be like Bram said, you do what it takes to get your guy. Can you do that? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think he needs the promise on that. I think if Adam Peters said we have a really good deal and their analytics department, Eugene Shannon company, agree with it, 
what Josh Harris wouldn't say yes to that. <laughs> of course he would. The Heisman Trophy winning homegrown looks like he might be Mahomes quarterback. Oh, we're going to say no to that. Like who, <laughs> who would? So, you know, let, let, we'll see how it plays out, but you know, that, that whole thing comes down to what is Chicago going to do? And hopefully I think every team in the NFL wants to know sooner rather than later. Cause if the truth is that they want to auction the pickoff, they're going to have a line out the door of incredible options i think in front of them which is what's going to be very interesting about it right and then last well we can end on this one one Juan wants to know if i think antonio gibson will be resigned and used like debo samuel well first of all we've, we've heard that every year i thought antonio did a really good job this year i thought he developed as a as a, in, a, in his role the only thing is like if you're looking at some of these coaches if you get a ben johnson Look for them to get a Jameer Gibbs type as a back. They don't have that kind of a back. And I think, and uh, you know, that's a guy that even if, even if whoever comes in, it wouldn't shock me if that's what they look for, because they do have some other guys that I think can, I think Brian Robinson can play a bigger role in the past game, but you need that, that shiftier type back that, um, and again, when you look at Ben Johnson, uh, Ben Johnson, the one thing I like about that offense in Detroit they use a lot of power. Now, whether that's him or Dan Campbell, they use a lot of power and play action and all that, but they have that shifty back too as well. So, you know, you got any thoughts on that, Bram? Gibson? Yeah, I mean, I think um, running backs are devalued, so the price point for him won't be high, and let's see if they're valued. He did say on his way out the door he wants to be somewhere where he's, you know, valued, and I don't blame him. You know, I, I really don't, and I think he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. He's a very versatile weapon, and I think he was misutilized throughout the years here, unfortunately. So if they bring him back, that'd be great. You know, and if he ends up going somewhere else because he gets a better deal, I wish him the best of luck. I really like AG a lot. Yeah, I don't know why somebody asked us to stop yellow journalism. I don't know what he's talking about because we're just talking about John Allen and his comments. So <laughs> I'm not sure I get that, Bram, but that's okay. Um Anyway, Bram, you got any other thoughts as we close it out here? I like everybody. I'm just really excited, obviously. Like, I'm really, I'm excited. I'm hearing all the things I want to hear. Um, the reputation of the person they've hired to, you know, run all the football decisions. I'm hearing everything I want to hear. Like, we're going to be aligned. I know that's the, new, that, that's the new catch radius or position flex line, I guess, for all of us. <laughs> we're going to be aligned. Um, I like hearing it. I like being collaborative. I like the idea of getting the building all on the same page. I like building through the draft. I like building through the draft. It's so I'm so happy to hear somebody say that. Um, and I'm excited to see who the next head coach is going to be. And then, you know, we'll uh, we'll see where we are after the next head coach is in. And then we can start really talking about what does this roster really look like? What are the things they need to address immediately? And what do they do with the number two overall pick? There you go. And I think the coach thing will be interesting because they have a few lined up this week to, for virtual interviews. Dan Quinn, we know for sure on Thursday, um, Ben Johnson Friday, and they're going to be talking to all those guys this week at some point, if, you know, whether or not, you know, the day or whatever, they're going to be talking to them because it's the first chance they can do the virtual interviews with the teams that are still alive. The in-person occurs after January or January 27th date for that. So just that's some of the FYI stuff. Anyways, Bram, Thanks a lot for coming on, as always. Thanks, everybody, for all your questions, your comments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'll be back on what day is today? Tuesday. I'll be back with another one Thursday morning. Talk to you next time.